fire. No. Wow. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God for you for watching the praise. If you would please stand with me and those online, please stand. Grab your Bibles, grab your tablets, grab your phone. Go to the gospel according to St. John, chapter 1. As you are looking for it, I want to let Sister June Bartholomew know that we're praying for her as she recovers from her wrist break. And, it's, and, and the minister that sits over here all the time, Mr. McGowan, praying for him as he recovers also from his surgical procedure. There's a lot going on in the house and outside of the house. And we just want you to know that we, at the house, we're going to lift you up in prayer. So we thank God oh so much for you. I am trying to hold it together that I can get to this text. <laughs> and so, uh, so I'm going I'm I'm to be, be kind here this morning here. Uh, I just feel like worshiping God. I just feel like shouting. I feel like dancing. I don't know about you, but, 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 but I get up with a made-up mind. I came to worship God. I came to serve God today. I came. I don't know about you. Gas costs $19 a gallon. And yet, we come into the house of God. Because we need to be in the house of God. So worship with the people of God. He knows my name. And he knows my game. And loves me anyway. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty, mighty, mighty God we serve. Anybody came to worship God today? Anybody came to worship God today? What about you online? Anybody come to serve God today? Somebody came to shout today. Somebody came to dance today. Somebody came to get released today. That's why we're here. somebody in the ground yesterday but it was not you and it was not me yeah, yeah. and we come to worship God we don't have a sabbatical from God we don't have a vacation from God we came to worship God with our problems our aches our pains our tribulations our travail our tribulations we still come to worship God no fire shall burn me and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him who are you? And he confessed and did not deny he confessed I'm not the Christ. And they asked him what then are you Elijah? And he said I'm not. Are you the prophet? And he answered no. They said to him who are you so we may give the answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? Verse 23. He said, I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. I want to preach part two of this series and entitle it, I Know Who I Am. Yeah. 
I know who I am. Father, in the name of Jesus, we gather in this sacred space because you've allowed us. You provided. You called us. You have summoned us to be here. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. We got situations. We got stuff. We got challenges. We got things, God, that are even now in this sacred moment that are trying to tempt us, trying to distract us, and trying to pull us back to the concerns and cares of our daily activities. Oh, God, speak, God. You are a living God with a living word. Speak, God, to our living situations. And I pray, as always, you would anoint me at this strategic hour that I may preach your word with power and the unsaved may become saved and the saved may live like they're saved and you may get all the glory and all the honor in the mighty master's name of Jesus Christ I do pray amen, amen and amen you may be seated in the presence of the Lord we started this new series last week entitled Get Healthy it is not a sermon series about your physical well-being. This is not body shaming. It's about how healthy we are on the inside when it comes to relationships. Because the thesis of this sermon series is simply this. That many times the problem in many of our relationships and they're so unhealthy is because you have two, three, four or more unhealthy people in the relationships. The family is unhealthy because the family is unhealthy and it has unhealthy relationships. Your dating relationship is unhealthy because you're dating and you're unhealthy. Your marriage is miserable because guess what? You got two unhealthy people married together. So this is about the simplicity that as we get healthy, we're able to take the T out of toxicity. It's about, and so last week I told you, you got a choice. The choice is up to you. Do you wish to be made well? The choice is up to you. But today I want to talk about, I know who I am. Because that's the challenge of knowing who you are. In the late 1980s, a pitching phenom named Dave Jabecki was a pitcher. And he was pitching in in the midst of pitching, he broke his arm. So they take him off the mound. Because his arm was broken. It was broken because of cancer. And they, they were certain that his career was done. But Dave wasn't done. Because less than a year later, Dave was back up pitching again. But this time, something different happened. He pitched and he won when he came back. Five days after winning that victory, five days later, his arm broke again. And it didn't just break, it shattered. The cancer had returned. And Dave, the professional pitcher, is now had to be rushed to the ER and had to be amputated, his arm and his shoulder. Because why? You can't pitch if you have no arm. Imagine that, a pitcher without an arm. That is like a piano player with no hands. A ballerina with no legs. 
a marathon runner with no feet. He was done, had nothing. He lost everything. And he also lost the ability to confidently say, I know who I am. Because everything was tied up in his arm. Somebody ought to say, me too, Pastor. Because he's not the only one that has suffered loss, great loss. And you feel like that somehow you too can't say, I know who I am. Oh, maybe your loss was not your arm, but there's been some losses up in here, some losses out there online. You've lost your youthfulness. You can't move like you used to move. You can't get up like you used to get up. You got to rock before you get up now. Not as youthful as you used to be. Some of you have lost assets. You're not bawling and blinging like you used to. The money line is drying up. Some of you have lost your model physique. You're not fit and fine like you used to be. The men and women don't all pause when you walk into the room like you used to. Things not tight, things not right. Because you're not physically what you used to be. Oh, you used to be the bell of the ball. But now, just trying to make sure nothing fall out. <laughs> Preach, Pastor Hamilton. Some of you have lost spouses, sons and daughters and siblings, strong mothers and strong fathers, and you lost them. And now you've lost the idea of who you are, and you're wondering, who am I? The devil has done a, a great job of shooting us a spiritual deceptive pill. That although the devil has no ability to shut down our heaven, he seeks to short circuit our victories on the way to heaven by lying to us and confusing us about who we are. Lies, lies, and more lies telling us we are our items that we purchase. We are our cars and our houses and our clothes and our suits and our dresses and our purses. That's who we are. That's a lie. Lying to us and telling us that we are, we are the very, our, our career path, the jobs we have and the job we do and how much they pay it for us. That's who we are. That's a lie. Lying to us. Telling us that somehow you know who we are. We are the very people based on our accomplishments. All the plaques on the wall, ribbons on the wall, trophies on the wall, letterman jackets hanging in the closet. And that's who we are. That's a lie. That we are who we are married to. So and so, what family we came from. That's a lie. The doctrine of demons. Because the adversary knows that the people of God ever grasp the totality of their identity, ever get in sync with their identity, we're some powerful people. When we sync up with our identity, who we are and whose we are, we are powerful people. Powerful over the mental challenges in our lives. Powerful over the hurts in our lives. They're hanging there. Powerful people when we understand who we are. And so we as a people of God must work hard and go deep and go long to make sure that we can rise up in the good times and rise up in the bad times and rise up in all the in-between times and declare, I know who I am. You got to know who you are. 
this bizarre Baptist, eccentric evangelist, John the Baptist, had no problem knowing who he was. John the apostle writes this, and he writes this gospel account by giving us seven signs that point to Jesus, say that he is the Messiah, seven signs. But then after verse 18, the prologue, John pivots and moves away from a sign to seeking a speaker, a witness, if you will, and that is John the Baptist. John, he brings, it's almost as if John sends out a subpoena and says, John, you must appear in court and take the witness stand and tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, but the truth about yourself and about Jesus Christ. So John, this wilderness wonder, shows up. Who is John, this politically incorrect preacher? Who is John, this ostentatious dresser? Because Mark 1 said that this man's out there wearing camel hair and a leather belt around his waist and snacking on, on locusts and wild honey. Who is John, this wonder wilderness man that shows up, expounding the word of God, and is very rude, calling all the religious leaders hypocrites, snakes, and vipers, won't muzzle his mouth, because the prophet of God has to be able to, spell, to speak the truth to power. You can't be a man of God, a woman of God that's going to handle the word of God if you're afraid of power. It shouldn't be bought, shouldn't be rented. You're not chattel property. You're, you're a minister of the, of the gospel of God, and you must stand and proclaim the word of God. And stop saying what you want to hear today. We're not slot speakers. Just put money in the, in, the, in the very corn collector, and we'll play the tune you want to hear. No, there's a word from God. And here's John. And this interrogation delegation is asking the very same question. Hey, bro, who are you? John, who are you? Imagine, here's John. Never set foot in one school of rabbis. Here's John. Never got a preaching license from a Sadducee or Pharisee. Here's John. Walking tough talking tough. Who's this? Where has he been all of his life? Just shows up in the wilderness preaching. And so they go down the list. Okay, uh, are you the Christ? Are you the anointed one? Are you the coming Messiah? And John says, emphatically in the original, emphatically, absolutely not. Oh, that's a rabbit right there, and, and I'm going to chase it, but I'm not going to chase it long. Uh, because I think that what he says, every one of us must be able to say. Because I'm concerned in the body of Christ and in many families that there are people who have the Messiah complex. The Messiah complex. You got to run into everything. You got to fix everything. You got to relieve everybody. You're the go-to person. It's a Messiah complex. You got to fix everything for everybody to your own detriment. 
You're trying to fix the consequences of their own sinful choices. You are codependent yourself. You are co-conspirator with what they're doing. You got to lose the Messiah complex. You got to say, I'm not the one. John said, I'm not the one. And all the Messiah complex folks online, you got to start saying, I'm not the one. I can't rescue you from everything. I can't pay all your bills. I can't get you out of jail 34 times. I cannot get you another job but you walked off the other job. I'm not the one. You lose that Messiah complex. Well, if you're not Christ, then let's see. Are you Elijah the Tishbite? Because after all, in 1 Kings 2 by verse 8, uh, they kind of dressed alike. They went to the same retail store. Are you the reincarnation of Elijah the Tishbite? Is that who you are? No. I ain't lying. Okay, 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 okay. I'll tell you what, here. Are you the prophet? In Deuteronomy 18, 15, Moses says that God's going to send you another prophet like me, and he's going to lead you out and lead you through. So are you the new Moses? And is this about to be a very new exodus? Is that who you are? And once again, he says, nope, that ain't me. Oh, but they wished it was. They wished it were. They really did. Culturally, understand, during this time, yeah, they've come out of Babylonian captivity, but they're still oppressed by the Romans and the Greeks. And there is this hunt for the Messiah in the air. They want a liberator. And, and, and they were hoping that John would say, yeah. They were hoping John would say, maybe. Or maybe John would say, kind of. Or maybe John would say, it depends on how much you're going to pay me. But John stood flat-footed on his identity. And he declared three times, no, no, no. I'm not the Christ. I'm not Elijah. I am not the prophet. I'm just John, because he was able to stand, and he didn't compromise because he knew who he was. What does all that mean, preacher? You got to refuse to be who people want you to be. If you have your identity, you got to refuse to be who people want you to be. You got to refuse. Anybody remember that great cultural phenomenal movie? Anybody remember that, that movie, Coming to America, starring Eddie Murphy? Anybody remember that movie? I'm talking about the first one. Anybody? Oh, and that, I, mean, I mean, long before there was uh, uh, a condo, uh, 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 it was coming to America. And you remember that movie, uh, King Joffrey, uh, My Son Works. You remember that? Uh, but, but check this out. His pre-planned bride came in. And that soloist, that brother who would not sing in this choir, uh, y'all remember him singing that solo? She's my queen. Um, and you remember, Murphy takes this woman off to the side. And he says, you mean whatever I ask you to do, you're going to do? He said, bark like a dog. She said, arf. Bark like a big dog. Oof. Hop on one leg. Hop, hop. And orangutan. Oh, oh, oh. 
And whatever he asked her to do, she did it. And she left the scene hopping off into a room, offering, woofing, orangutanging, hopping, because she was trying to fit into the box of whatever Prince Akeem wanted her to be because she didn't know who she was. She kept saying, whatever you like, whatever you like, whatever you like. And I'm just saying today, that ain't just true about coming to America. It's true about us as Christians of the Most High God. That so many times when it comes to relationships, all we're doing is offering and we're woofing and we're hopping on one leg and we're tanking ourselves because we got the mentality that we don't know who we are. So whatever you like, whatever you want, that's what I will do because we have not come to the conclusion that we don't fit in anybody's box but God's box. We don't have to be what they want us to be. You don't have to be what your boyfriend, your girlfriend, sister girl wants you to be. You don't have to hop for their good pleasure. Oh, that's hurting somebody today. And because that's why you're so caught up right now and you're tired. That's why you're riddled with anxiety attacks. That's why you're so low on patience. That's why you keep having the same raggedy relationships over and over and over again, just changing names, but the character's still the same because you have a caught in the performance trap. That you can't envision anybody not being happy with you. So you'll do whatever it takes to make them happy. You're caught in a performance trap. Oh, but I like the words of Paul in Galatians 1.10. And Paul says this. If I was still trying to please men, I would no longer be a bondservant or doulos of Jesus Christ. Paul is saying, I was caught in a performance trap just like you. But guess what? I now got bound up, tied up, hooked up with Jesus Christ. And now that I'm in Christ and Christ is in me, I don't have to hop anybody anymore. That's the same thing John the Baptist is saying. I don't have to hop for anybody to make you happy. Oh, somebody should have put a praise right there. Somebody should have shouted right there. A load should have been lifted right there. Somebody should have a praise on their lips right there at the very thought. I don't have to hop to make you happy. You've been hopping for too long, hopping for too trying to make somebody happy. Hopping, hoping that somebody would love you with all their heart. Hopping, hoping that somebody would actually put you at the very top of their food chain of relationship. Hopping to think that somebody would, would be with you, that you want to age and be alone, and you've been hopping for everybody. But it's time for all the bunnies in the house to stop hopping and start believing that you don't have to try to be what anybody wants. You have a witness up in here. Any hoppers in the house? Anybody hopped before? Wave your hand. Anybody know anything about hopping? Trying to please him and trying to please her and trying to please mama, trying to please daddy, trying to please grandma, trying to please the school district, trying to please everybody. But I'm tired of hopping. My hop has lost its springs. My hop has lost its springs and I'm not hopping anymore. Because you hop because you don't know who you are. John now has them frustrated. And they're saying in the text, verse 22, John, you got to give us something. People are sent us out here to talk to you. You acting all, have a very spirit of avoidance. 
tell us something. We got to go back and tell him. We can't go back empty-handed, John. Tell us something. Who are you, John? Friendship, tell us something. Who are you? I didn't ask you what you drive. I didn't ask you what you wear. I didn't ask you where you live. I didn't ask you what university you graduated. I didn't ask you what office you hold. I didn't ask you about your private parking spot. I asked you, who are you? John said, okay. Let's go there. He says, I'm a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. Now watch the text. Because let's park and talk about this for a minute. John says, I'm a voice. He didn't say, I'm a great voice. I'm just a voice. John did not say, I am of the priestly line, and my daddy Zacharias was a priest. Just said, I'm a voice. He did not say, I come from a, a great saintly mama named Elizabeth, a godly woman, a righteous woman. He said, I'm just a voice. He didn't say, I'm the greatest preacher in Judea. Everybody's coming out in the woods, in the rural areas to see me. He just said, I'm a voice. He didn't even say, I'm Jesus' cousin, y'all. Me and Jesus can folks. We people. He just said, I'm a voice crying in the wilderness. John is saying, I'm nobody. Nobody. Because John understood that the mission is always bigger than the man. Bigger than the man. Ain't about me. He says, about, it's about him. So what is the mission, John? He quotes Isaiah 40, verse 3. They would have known exactly what he was talking about. In fact, they probably got real happy when he said that. Because Isaiah 40, through all the end of that book, it talks about the redemption of God's people, the bringing back of God's people, the regathering of God's people. And so they know what that's about about comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. It's time to begin again. That's what he talking So he's like, yeah, absolutely. They knew what he was talking about. But here's the deal. The cultural understanding of that, making the way straight, that if a king is coming, you, you get out ahead of them. It's kind of like we have company coming to your house. You go and clean your house real good, don't you? Or you hide by cleaning your house. You put stuff in the closet that don't belong in the closet. Put stuff on the bed that don't belong in the bed. You put stuff out in the garage that's already in a full garage. Because what? Company's coming. You are, you're making the way straight. That's what he's talking about. But John is not talking about external change. John's talking about internal change. He's not talking about their hands. He's talking about their hearts. John is not talking about excavation, the rough smooth. No. John talking about salvation. John said the problem, the reason why is because of your sin. You got to correct the sin issue. You got, you got a problem with God. Yes, you're the covenant people of God, but you're not right with God because of your sin. How do we know? Because in verse 29, it said the next day he saw Jesus coming. And he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God 
Not the lamb of your daddy or your uncle or your crazy cousin, but the lamb of God. God's lamb is God's. God provided a perfect sinless sacrifice, and it's Jesus Christ. Behold the lamb of God, because the problem you have is sin, and because of the sin, God sent your sin remedy, and it's none other than the lamb of God, Jesus Christ, came to sacrifice himself. Nobody but Jesus. What can wash away my sin? What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of, anybody know, anybody saved up in here? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Preacher, I thought we talking about relationships. We are. We are. Because your relations, your identity is rooted in your relationship. Who you are is determined by birth. When you got new life, you also got new identity. That's the trick of the devil, to think you're the same old you. No, you're not. You're still in the old you, but when you got saved, you also got a new identity. You're not you anymore. You're somebody else in Christ. It happened together, which means you got to begin ruling your identity in the Savior. You got to root your identity in the Savior. Nowhere else. Nowhere else. Only in the Savior. Last this weekend when I was down in Louisiana for my uncle's funeral, I was told by my older brother about go to Miss Pamela's Soul Food Kitchen. I don't know because everybody that say soul food, the food ain't good for your soul. <laughs> Amen. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Everybody say they can cook, can't cook. But, you know, but I, I decided to go and uh, went in there and, and uh, yeah, I got the baked chicken, not the fried chicken. I'm trying to do some things right. Um, got some mustard greens, got some yams, got some rice and some 15 weight, not 30 weight gravy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Miss Pamela had it going on. Yes, indeed. Oh. But I was a little concerned because when I got to the table, I had this aluminum foil and something wrapped in it. Open it up, it's a big piece of strawberry cake. Y'all ain't praying with me. I go back to the counter, there's been a mistake. I don't want dessert. I'm not eating desserts right now. I didn't order this dessert, and I know I didn't pay for it. She says, there has been no mistake that the way we do it down here is that when you order the special, you also get a slice of cake. They both go together. Hey, I'm ready to go home and preach, y'all, because that ain't just true about Miss Pamela. It's also true about our great prince and king of kings and lord of lords, Jesus Christ. When you get the special of God's only begotten son named Jesus Christ, you also get a slice of your identity, your new identity in Jesus Christ. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody got a brand new identity? They both 
go together. When you get born again, you get blessed. When you come to Christ, you get an identity. They both go together, and they go together at the very same time. So you ought to pull the plug on people pleasing. You ought to pull the plug on your performance trap. You ought to pull the plug on trying to be perfectionist to everybody. You ought to pull the plug on woe is me. And understand that when you got Christ, you got a brand new identity. I know you live in the same house, drive the same car, wear the same clothes, but you're not who you used to be. You are somebody else in Jesus Christ. So for every Christian, you ought to start seeing yourself the way Christ sees you. And you ought to start saying about yourself the same thing he says about you. How oh, about to jump off the stage? You ought to read sometime Ephesians 1, 1 through 14. Read it. He says in verse 1, I'm a saint. And you ought to start telling yourself, I'm a saint. The devil says you're sorry. The devil says you're just an old sinner. But the Bible says you're a saint. And you ought to lay hands on yourself, touch yourself, and declare if God says I'm a saint, I am a saint. Ephesians 1, 3 says we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You ought to say I'm already blessed. I'm blessed is who I am. I'm in a mess, but I'm still blessed. Anybody in a mess today, you're still blessed. Claim your blessing. The Bible says for chapter 4, verse 4, I'm chosen by God. God knew all about you. God already knew you before you knew yourself. And yet he chose you anyway. You are chosen by God. And you ought to celebrate being chosen by I am chosen. No matter what you think about me, may not have chosen me for the ball team and chose me for Girl Scouts and chose me to be the class president, but I'm chosen by God. And I thank God for being chosen. And if he says also, I am predestined. You ought to speak to yourself, I'm predestined. God has a plan for my life. I'm not an accident. Maybe my mom and daddy didn't know I was gonna be born, how I was gonna be born, but God already knew. There's a plan for my life. Jeremiah said, I know the plans that I have for you for prosperity and not for calamity to give you a future and a hope. God got a plan for your life. And then he says, I'm graced. I've been graced by God. God's grace has fallen on me. Grace. You ought to say that about yourself. Grace has fallen on me. Thank God. And then he said, verse 7, I have been forgiven of all my transgressions. I'm redeemed in verse 7. You are redeemed. You are forgiven. Don't walk in condemnation. Don't walk in shame. Don't walk in, you've been forgiven. Because God said, speak to yourself what God says in the scriptures. Verse 11 of that same chapter says, I have an inheritance. You have an inheritance reserved in heaven for you. God got something with your name on it. That's reserved in heaven for you. Down here, you may never be Bill Gates. You may never be Elon Musk. But God, I got something for you that was rust and thieves can't break in and steal. And in verse 13 and 14, said that what you believed, you became saved and sealed with the Spirit of God until the day of redemption. 
And this is just a down payment because there's much more to come, which means you ain't seen nothing yet. God is saying to somebody today, tell yourself, I ain't seen nothing yet. In spite of what you have, in spite of where you've been, you ain't seen nothing yet. God has much, much more in store for you. Claim that in the name of Jesus. Believe that in the name of Jesus. Speak that in the name of Jesus. This is who I am. When the devil's lies come in like a flood, push them out, push them out, push them out with the word of God and speak the truth over yourself that God said to you in scripture, I am blessed, I am chosen, I am predestined, I am graced by God. You gotta start speaking to yourself. That ain't some Jedi mind trick. It's the word of God. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I'm thinking right, cause God spoke right. And I know who I am. Anybody know who I am? Give God a praise, give God a wave. I know, oh yeah. You're confused because you're thinking outside the scriptures. You're confused because you think that you are what you do, but you are what's been done. You think you are what happened to you, but you ain't what happened to you. You are who, who hung on the cross, died, and rose again for you. That's who you are. It used to be a song we say, I know my identity. Victory, that's my name. God wrote it in his plan. For me, oh, 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 my name is Victory. That's what the people of God all declare. It don't mean you don't have problems. It don't mean you don't have loss. But I know who I am. In the midst of hurdles and heartache and hardship, I know who I am. And the devil can't change who I am. Let me cut across the field. But here's the test. Here's the test. The test of identity. Flip over chapter 3, quickly, chapter 3, because this is the continuation of the conversation in chapter 1. And in chapter 3, verse 26, look what's going on here. They couldn't get John to come off the wall. In verse 26, they came to John, said to him, Rabbi, John ain't a rabbi, he's a preacher. Who's with you but John the Jordan? When you are born witness for whole, he is baptized. And all are coming to him. He said, wait a minute, John, Jesus stole your members. He out in the same water you in. Hey, man. Hey. They're trying to provoke him to jealousy and envy. Because the test, the test becomes... How do you handle somebody else's success? How do you handle it when somebody else gets the blessing that you wanted? How do you handle when somebody else gets married when you want to get married? How do you handle when somebody else gets a promotion and you want a promotion? See, that's a test of identity. How do you handle it when somebody else is successful? Read the text. John answered and said, verse 27, y'all know who y'all fooled with. No man can receive nothing that's been given him from heaven. Verse 28, John said, remember I told y'all back in chapter 1, that I said, I'm not the Christ. I've been sent before him. 29, here's the bride, the bridegroom, the friend of the bridegroom. Stand here and rejoice greatly because the bridegroom's voice 
and his joy might have been made full. John is saying, I'm just the best man. I'm not the groomsman. I've done my job. I organized, I strategized, I got everybody in place. Everybody had the tuxedos. I did my job, and now I get out the way. Oh, my goodness. Because identity allows you not only to clear the way, but to get out of the way. And we have identity issues, struggles, envy, jealousy, sarcasm, ridicule, hatred. Because we don't know how to get out the way. John says, I did my job. I'm just the best man. He's here. He's here. I'm off the stage. He's on the stage. I'm out of here. It's oh, John, come on now, man. You ain't that holy, that sanctimony. Surely you're going to do something. John, after, after all, because many of us would have said, them ungrateful jokers. All I did for them, and I served them and gave to them, and we gave with them day and night, and, you know, fed them, and took their little crazy kids to McDonald's and all the stuff I did for them. They, they ain't had no money, had no gas money. All I did for them, helped them in school, and yet now they somebody, and they forgot about me. Don't take my friend, take my people. What? John, what you going to do? John says, here's what I'm going to do, and I'm getting out of here. In verse 30, John 3.30, John says this. This is what I'm going to do. He must increase, but I must decrease. John says, what I'm going to do, because these are the last recorded words of John in the gospel according to St. John. John says, I'm done. I am going to occupy myself with Christ instead of occupying myself with what I can get out of Christ. I've chosen to dedicate myself to being committed to Christ. I am decreasing. I am done. I am clear. John is saying, I am good with all of this. Because all I really wanted anyway was Jesus. Nobody but Jesus. Nobody but Jesus. I'm trying to tell somebody today, and when you get your identity right, all that matters is Jesus. It don't matter what they say, who hires you, fires you. It don't matter what your spouse say. All that matters is nobody but Jesus. I got to go, y'all. I was thinking this morning on my way over here is that a few years ago I was invited to a breakfast with some pastors at the River Oaks Country Club with some people who don't look like me and you. I know they're trying to add a little diversity to the mix. And they were all over the country. They really were. And I'm like, okay, now why am I up, up in here? And also, subliminally, I'm thinking, who gonna pay for this? <laughs> Amen, lights and wall. Because, because, because I left my other wallet at the house. <laughs> Check this out. They going around the table talking about who are you and what do you do? This one over here trying to raise $20 million. This one over here is is itemizing all the politicians and pro athletes inside their church. This, this one over here is talking about considering running for a political office because he got so much cachet. This one over here is just talking about how he's trying to really launch a new uh, television, a new television ministry. 
Listen over here talking about he's trying to now have what? I'm trying to have uh, five churches. You got one, one have now five churches. They've grown up one have five churches. And they're going around the circle just talking, 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 talking. And then they come to me. Who are you? And what you doing? Y'all know I'm from Louisiana. Somebody, do you want the educated pastor or you want the country preacher? But in all sincerity, you know, I said, you know what I'm trying to do? And I'm sitting there, because I'm, 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 listen, I'm trying to devil work. I'm sitting there. I'm like, man, I ain't doing nothing. <laughs> look, look, at all, look at all this stuff. Oh, my goodness. I'm sitting there thinking, like, oh, Lord. <laughs> Holy Spirit says, sit up. Yeah. I brought you to that table. Yeah. I brought you to that table. I said, yeah, we got a new building and stuff like that, but you know what? I'm just trying personally to walk with Christ and grow in Christ and trying to get every member of friendship to shepherd them to do the same. That's all we're doing. Maybe it don't fit your list. Maybe it ain't on Forbes 500. Maybe it ain't the latest and the greatest. But I know what? I've decided to decrease that Jesus may increase in this house, in your house, in my house. Because I know, I finally know who I am. Give God praise. Give God glory. Shout hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah to the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. What a mighty God we serve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who I am. Somebody say glory. Yeah. I'm a child of God. Hmm. Joe Hemnodge had it right. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. I'm an heir of salvation, purchased by God, born of his spirit, washed, 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 blood washed in his blood. Yeah! Anybody know who they are? Anybody washed in here? I know we got to go home. I know you got to get off live stream, but anybody know who they are? Anybody has a blessed assurance that Jesus is yours? Anybody know it for themselves? I ain't trying to force you anything. I just want some true worshipers to be ready to worship God. To say, God, I know I am finally have a blessed assurance. I didn't have it for years, but now I know who I am. Yeah. Somebody the sound of my voice. I want to give you the opportunity to meet this Savior who's the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world which includes your sins. Doesn't matter how vile they are, how vast they are, how vocal they are. He came to take away all sins. You're not too of a dirty sinner that Christ can't clean you up from the inside out. 
you got to admit that you need a Savior. Will you today, in this house, in your house, receive Christ as the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life? Will you let Jesus Christ have the reins of your life? Will you decide to decrease and allow him to increase?